When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. They thought, gotta let Russ cook. Like, at some point, can we just say Russ isn't good? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, is that going to offend everybody? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos. And you can find us on Twitter at MLombardiNFLs, where you can find Michael at Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. And Michael, good morning. Man, a lot to get to after what we saw yeah. yesterday in the National Football League. And it starts with that AFC East clash with the Jets and the Patriots. Yeah, wow. That was, uh, it, it, you know, for a game that featured a lot of punts, it was a fun game to watch mm-hmm. because both teams were trying to avoid losing with their quarterback. You know, and in and, and, and fairness, you know, I was saying this to a friend of mine this morning. I I I gave Bill A.D. the Jets in three and a half. I like the Jets to get – if it would have been three, I think I would have taken the Patriots. But mm-hmm. I thought the hook was going to be in play. But when you watch the game, the Patriots, you know, were in control of the game, partly because of Zach Wilson. Now, the six sacks killed them. They had too many negative plays, too many penalties, or else, and then they missed two field goals. Or else I think this game probably would have been even a bigger route than the last time they played them. I mean, they dominated the game partly because of Zach Wilson. But to me – what, I, what I'd like to talk about is situational football with you, Femi. And I mm-hmm. think it's so sad that we as consumers of the game, we don't hear this on our broadcast. Because football is truly chess on grass. And every move dictates another move. So let's go to this game. Belichick calls timeout with 26 seconds left to go. All right? He calls, he calls his second timeout. Now, do you think he's calling a timeout because he thinks he's going to get the ball in field goal range with, with, with time to go in the game? Do you think he's going to do that with 26 seconds to go? The Jets called timeout on second and two. He didn't because he was like, okay, I'm not letting this. But when it got to third and one and they, and they lost two yards, he, he wanted to force a punt. He wanted to force a punt. This, this is Parcelsian. This goes back to Bill Park. Make, make the other team punt. Make them execute. Okay, so... He, he calls timeout. Salai is sitting over there on the sideline wondering about how bad his quarterback was playing, I'm sure. <laughs> wondering about, like, I can't believe this guy, but we'll get this to overtime. Of course, naturally, he, he sends his punt team out on the field. They double the gunners. Once you see that the gunners are doubled, you know Belichick's got a return set up. So the only way you can lose the game or not get the game to overtime is if you let them return it for a touchdown or you let them return it where they can get it in field goal range. And so, naturally, what would you do? What would Bill Parcells do? What would any coach who understands situational football do? He would have punted the ball out of bounds. Told his punter, I don't give a fuck what you do, punt it out of bounds. Because the only way we lose the game is if they return it. If you punt it out of bounds, we can't lose the game. We'll get the game to overtime. Naturally, they punt it straight down the middle like a fucking fly ball at center field in a World Series, and they take it to the thing. And everybody blames Zach Wilson, which he deserves to be blamed. Salai will never get any heat for that call. I was texting a friend, and he was saying, oh, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't why they lost the game. Yes, that's why they lost the game. Now, there's a thousand other reasons why they lost, but that was something he could control. When Belichick called timeout, if I were doing the broadcast, I'd be saying, okay, got to punt the ball out of bounds here. But, of course, naturally, I don't know if they said it. I doubt it because I wasn't listening. I just watched it. Yeah, I wasn't listening either. I had it on with the the red zone on the other screen there, but it to me, I I almost thought it was this a mistake by the punter because we've seen that in the past, and the conditions were a little windy as well. So I'm not sure if he tried to punt it out of bounds, and then maybe the he wind hit it just straight down in. the middle. But, there, yeah. Nobody told that kid. Nobody told that kid to punt that ball out of bounds. There's no chance. 
That thing was like a fly ball, lazy fly ball in July that was carrying, but it knew it wasn't going to get out of the park. Like it was straight down the middle, and they set up a right return to the defensive left, to the, off, to, the to the Jets' left. The kid didn't really have to make anybody miss. I mean, it was like a little bit like we played back in 1992. I think it was 92, right? So, uh, no, it was 93. We're playing Pittsburgh on the afternoon game in October. This is when we had two bye weeks, mm-hmm. and we had a bye going into the next week. And Testaverde's playing quarterback. We had bench Kozar, and we're playing pretty good. And we got a good defense, and we're playing pretty good. We run into the Steelers. The Steelers knock out Testaverde, separate his shoulder earlier in the, in the game, and we got to put Kosar back in the game, who can't really make a throw. Like, he's got nothing left in it. He's got nothing going. And so the Steelers come back in the game. Metcalf takes a punt early in the game for a touchdown. Okay? I wrote about this in Grid Iron Genius in the special teams chapter. So then Pittsburgh gets the ball. We stop them. They're trying to run the game out. We stop them. They punt the ball down the middle of the field. And Metcalf takes it straight down the side. You can see your boy Lewis Riddick running right next to him as they go into the end zone. <laughs> I mean, it's straight down the field. We win the game. Like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Like, that's part of the game that fans don't understand that they should be educated on. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, and it happens every week. Like, strategy. Stop telling me about cover three. Stop telling. You know what drives me crazy is when the announcers start going into the, well, this player's saying this to himself. Like, how do you know that? Like, just talk about the strategy of the game. Like, that was an important play, Femi. It was the play that decided the game there. Marcus Jones, 84-yard punt return with five seconds left after he went ahead and crossed Pater there. I know a lot of people were focused more so on the – Maybe blocking the back that we saw. It was a block and, 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 and it looked like it was. Yeah. I mean, his it head was, was his head he was. He had behind. no reason to block the guy either. There was no, yeah, he there had was no reason there. to block him. <laughs> he wasn't it was catch a dumb him. play. Yeah. But they, they would have moved the ball back 10 yards from that spot. It probably would have been a 40 yard field goal, right? I mean, and, and Folk missed two of them earlier in the game. Uh-huh. You know, he was, you know, one hit the crossbar and, and one was shanked to the left. So there's no guarantee he was going to make it. I mean, that win was howling in that game. You know, the, the real story that comes out of that game won't be that Salai punted it down the middle of the field, right? He won't take accountability for that. The real story is how shitty Jack Wilson is. Like, my question to you is, as a quarterback guru, <laughs> how would you proceed? Like, where are you guru? going with this guy? Well, I don't know what you do here with this team because I, I tweeted out earlier watching that game, and I was like, hey, if you're Robert Sala, how do you look the other guys in the face and say that this is our quarterback? Because it was absolutely atrocious, and – I know the, the the politics side of it thing is that he's a first round pick, so you can't really bench him. But man, I think you got to try to find. You? I, I mean, why I, can't you I bench would, him? But they're not. But is the owner going to let you bench him with all that's invested why can't you? in Zach Wilson? If, you, if you're interested in winning, you got to bench him. Like at some point, look, we, we've we've seen this now, right? We've seen him play really shitty against Pittsburgh. He played good in the third, fourth quarter. He brought him back against Miami. He played mm-hmm. good in the fourth quarter. But every time they've let him play in the game, whether it's the Patriot first game, I mean, Femi, he tried to throw three interceptions yesterday. Yeah. I mean, McCourty dropped one right in his hands. I thought he was atrocious. I mean, at the end of the game, at the end of the game before the punt, he, it, Jonathan jo- Jones has got an interception over by the Patriot bench that he doesn't bring in. I mean, that's going to be the game right there. And to put into context – how bad this Jets offense was. I mean, they had more punts in the game than completions. They had 10 punts, 9 completions. Wilson was 9 of 22 for 77 yards. You mentioned all the interceptable passes. Zero points in the second half. Two yards, two net yards in the second half. Seven drives, seven punts, minus (coughs) 1.9 net yards per attempt there for Zach Wilson. And at this point, I feel like this Jets staff, they know what they have. And you mentioned them not wanting to let him participate, and we saw that all day yesterday, that the game plan was how do we win the game without our quarterback actually being involved in the game? And unfortunately, they'll go ahead and lose it there. So you, if you were the GM, Michael, would you pull the trigger on this? Would you bench Zach Wilson for I, I either mean, Mike White I, or Joe Flacco? I think you got to play Mike White. I don't think there's okay. any. I don't think there's any reason not to. I mean, you're just coming off a game where you have you had six first downs in the game. Okay, Denzel Mims dropped the ball. That was probably one other first down. So you had seven. Like, tell me where they played well. You're three for fourteen on third down. Another Lafleur classic. You know, I mean, this time it's Mike, not Matt. You know, they got 103 in total yards. You can't run the ball. Look, when they lost Hall, they lost all their running. They can't. Their offensive line mm-hmm. isn't good. Right, so they can't run the ball, and then he can't throw completions. I mean, like I, 
the Patriots' defense is good. This isn't like, oh, my God, they're the 64 Packers or the 85 Bears. I mean, like, seriously, they're good, but they're not, like, elite. And yet, you know, I mean, if the the Patriots had eight penalties in the game, which killed them, and they had six sacks, I mean, I, I, like, I handicapped the game for it to be a three-and-a-half-point game. I thought it would be played the way it was. I was wrong on the handicap because the Patriots, when you peel it back, they actually moved the ball better than you thought. They ran the mm-hmm. ball effectively. They controlled the ball for 35. Think about this. They controlled the ball for 35 minutes in the game and were 4-15 on third down. Wow. I mean, so, like, that's pretty impressive that you can do that. They only had 59 plays in the game and controlled it for 35 minutes. They played, and only th- and Mac Jones only threw four. But he got sacked seven times or six times in the game. You can't do that, you know? And, 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 they, would, and they couldn't really, when they got to the red zone, they couldn't get a rhythm going down there. So... They actually look better at times running the ball, but their offensive line continues to be bad. They lose David Andrews in the game. They were rotating between Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown at left tackle. They had holding calls, negative. Once they got behind the down and distance, it was over. But thank God for in two games they played, Zach Wilson's been the difference in both games. Michael, I want to read off some post-game quotes from Zach Wilson in this game because I thought that this was even as bad as he was on the field. He was even worse after the game. And he was asked if that you thought that you let the defense down. The question was, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? Wilson said no. He then later added, quote, I think you have to take into account it's windy as hell out there too, guys. I, I, these are excuses because we saw Mac Jones yeah. out there in the windy conditions. And Mac Jones didn't light the world on fire either with some of the sacks that he took in that game. He wasn't very good, but he did what was required to at least keep his team in the game there. What's up with Wilson? I mean, there, there, there seems like there's a lack of accountability for a player that hasn't done anything in the NFL. Well, I mean, there, you know, he's kind of like nonchalant about it. He's been immature since he's gotten there, right? You know, and, and to me, there's no attention to detail in his play. I mean, you know, yeah, it was windy, you know, but that's not an excuse. I mean, you're, you're playing quarterback in the, for the New York Jets, and November and December, it's going to be windy in the Meadowlands. I'm going to break that to you. You also grew up in Utah where it's cold weather, and I'm sure they've got wind in Utah too, so you should be used to it. There's no excuse. I mean, weather is is a factor of the game. And, you know, look, I, I think at the end of the day, my handicap was wrong. I think the Patriots were the better team, and they played better. But and the, because the Jets couldn't get anything going, they could get no continuity with their offense. They couldn't run the football. You know, they had 23 rushing attempts for 59 yards. So you can't run the ball. And then every time you went back to pass with him, you're holding your breath. I mean, he had nine completions and 22 attempts. I thought that they would try to do a lot of short throws for him mm-hmm. to keep him from messing up the game, and he still was going to mess up the game. Like At some point, you're the leader of the team. you got to take accountability. Head coach Robert Sala, after the game, was asked about the second-half offensive performance. There, He said, quote, it was dog shit. And then later on, he was asked, was there any point where you thought you sent some offensive spark that something might get going? Salah said, in the second half, the reporter then responded, at any time. He said, at any point, no. And then also, this from Garrett Wilson I thought was interesting. He said after the game, this bleep is not okay. Straight up, it is not okay. How many total yards did we have? 103? That is not going to fly. We got the dudes. It's time to be consistent. It's time to win the games that we should win. And when you watch that game, the Jets should win. The Jets have better players than the New England Patriots, but it keeps going back to Zach Wilson. And I thought it was a really interesting column from Connor Hughes over at SNY. He's their Jets and Giants reporter over there. He put this tweet out, and it was a, a column that he wrote after the game. And it said, sources inside the Jets' losing locker room told SNY that Zach Wilson was walking around after the game, quote, like he isn't the problem. It rubbed more than a few the wrong way, frustrating several others. Can this become a problem in the locker room if this continues with Zach Wilson playing the way he's playing? It's already a problem. I mean, you can see it. See Garrett Wilson's comments. Look at Salai's comments. I mean, so what's Salai going to do? So, what's your alternatives here? You're going to fire. You're going to fire McDaniel's. I mean, I read a column this week where he's up for a head coaching job. I mean, somebody put a column. They sent it to me. I don't know who wrote it, but there's a, all these coaches are up for head coaching jobs. McDaniel's one of them. I mean, seriously. Like that, somebody's going to hire Mike McDaniel to be a head coach. Like, okay, all right, let's. Well, now you've just revealed all your sources in the column, okay? Because this is who you're talking to, right? There's no chance of that. So you're either going to fire him, or you're going to fire the quarterback. So he's just going to keep getting guys fired. But I think it's clearly no accountability. I mean, he has no accountability. He doesn't think he's the problem. How do you solve it? You know, how do you solve any problem if you don't acknowledge it? 
What's the first thing they tell you in Alcohol Anonymous is you've got to acknowledge you've got a problem, right? And then now we are on the road to recovery. If you don't acknowledge it, we'll never get to recovery. This kid's never, he's never acknowledged. It's all just, okay. And, and I don't think, like, like, let's take Taylor Heineke. The mm-hmm. team gravitates to him. They like him. They feel good about him, right? Mm-hmm. You could see the Jets don't feel good. Like, there's no camaraderie with Zach Wilson. Like, he's not part of who they are. Like, he doesn't endear himself to the team. Like, I would guess, this is just a guess, I don't know this, but I would guess at the meal hall, he probably doesn't hang out with the offensive linemen. Which, it's a shame because this is a Super Bowl caliber defense that they have out there. And I, I don't uh, think I, – I, you say I, that. I don't see that. You, like, you don't see that? On the, 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 that front four, a Michael? A Super Bowl caliber? The, I mean, the defense. I mean, look, I'm talking about the defense. That the front defense four was too. after Mac Jones all day long. I mean, Mac Jones threw four incomplete passes. You know, I mean, he threw the ball. I mean, if he doesn't – if they would have protected better, and a couple of those, he held the ball. Like, Mac Jones doesn't want to turn the ball over. Like, no. let's not confuse the Patriots' offense for the for the 99 Rams here now. Like, like they moved the ball. They ran the ball. I mean, what championship-level defense can, can you run the ball on? I mean, seriously, what championship-level defense doesn't make you play one-dimensional? You can run the ball in the Jets. There's runs to get in the game. I mean, the, Damian Harris had some. Stevenson had some. I, I mean, mean, I think they're good. Don't get me wrong, Femi. I think they're a good yeah. defense. Do I think they're elite? No. Do I think they're the 49ers? No, not yet. They're not there yet. But, I mean, look, the reality of it is is the, the, the Patriots had every opportunity to score when they got down the red zone. They made mistakes. I mean, he turns the ball. So they get the holding call. They have, I think it was the, he scrambles for third and goal or fourth and goal from the sixth, and they get the holding call, so they back mm-hmm. it back up, and now it's third and 12, and then he takes another sack, and then they miss the field goal. Like, they, they as much as, like, you can't take a sack there. Yeah. I mean, the Patriots did enough to win the game. I thought their offense actually was better in this game than it was in the last time they played them. You would admit that. No, I'd, I would admit that too. Yeah, playing at home in the condition. I mean, they, they ran the ball effectively, but still, the Jets' defense at least. I feel bad for those guys only allowing three points, and then you lose the game there in a pretty critical game for this AFC playoff picture and that AFC East division. But, Michael, let's keep it moving to the game we saw. It was billed as the premier game of the day, the afternoon slate Cowboys and the Vikings, and it was all Dallas. They beat the Vikings 40-3, to the largest road win in franchise history for the Dallas Cowboys. And this thing was over when it started. Michael Parsons on that first drive, second Kirk Cousins with the fumble, setting up Dallas. They only converted a field goal on that, but that kind of set the tone, I thought, for a Dallas pass rush that had seven sacks on Kirk Cousins in the afternoon. Yeah, and I mean, they lose Darishaw to a concussion, the left tackle, that hurt mm-hmm. them. I mean, this, you know, look, I think what we learned this weekend, there's a couple teams that we know are not great. We know the Vikings are good. They're not a great team. I mean, they should have lost last week. I mean, if they just sneak the goddamn ball, Buffalo's going to win, right? I mean, so I kept saying that all week, right? I mean, and there's a reason they were a a point-and-a-half dog in the game. You know, even though I had them higher in my power ranking based on numbers, but I ended up giving Dallas out as a play because, to me, I just felt like Dallas was more desperate at this time. They needed it more than anything. And they played like a desperate team. Plus, the matchup favored Dallas. I mean, Minnesota is going to struggle to protect against a good pass rush. You know, they'll struggle. And Cousins, when he gets hit, will have some residual effects. But I thought the most impressive thing about the game was that, A, they took Jefferson out of the game. Mm-hmm. He only had three catches for 33 yards. The longest pass play was 15 yards, right? And because they got such a good lead, they couldn't run the ball. And I've said this before. Tony Pollard, to me... When I was writing Football Done Right, I was going back and I was watching tape on a lot of these players that I wrote up in the top 100. And one of the players I wrote up in the top 100 was Gale Sayers. And, and certainly, you know, I, went, I watched Kansas tape. I watched Bears tape. And, and when I'm watching them, I'm saying, man, he's a lot like Tony Pollard, you know? Like, <laughs> and you say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. No, I mean, Pollard and Gale Sayers, they have a similar running style. They really do. And that ability to burst and accelerate with rare speed is unique. Gale Sayers wasn't Barry Sanders, which he was this elusive guy. He was a slasher, Mm -hmm. and he got it on an edge, and it was over. Same thing with Pollard. I mean, he's so dynamic. And the combination of Elliott, who kind of body punches you. I mean, he only averaged 2A to carry, but he body punches you, and then that loosens him up for Pollard. It's just a pretty good, and then they get the ball to him. I mean, that's the key. He had six targets, six receptions. 
It was a hell of an offensive performance, a hell of a team performance for Dallas, who didn't punt the ball, Michael, until four minutes left in the third quarter. They were just scoring at will every single possession. And CBS had already left the game, right? I mean, I think CBS had already left the game. (laughs) They took us us to Pittsburgh. I was like, man, I was was trying to watch my team, and then I was like, I guess they're doing too well. We don't even get to see the final uh, quarter of this game here. Um, But you mentioned Dak Prescott, 22 of 25, 276, and two touchdowns in the game. He was barely touched. He was pretty much, it was a practice session out there for Dak here. Um, are there growing concerns about Minnesota, though, going forward after this game? Because Dallas, they're never going to play that well again. That's kind of one of those outlier performances. I think yeah, on both I mean, sides there. But but for Minnesota's sake, the amount of times that they were fortunate in these one-score games and they went up against a real team here at home and they didn't look like they belonged. No, I mean, but look, the dam was going to eventually break, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I kept saying on the show, and we've said it here on the pod, that like Minnesota and the Giants were like holding a time bomb, right? Like at some point it was <laughs> going to go off. Now, I didn't think it would go off for the Giants against Detroit, so kudos to, to Detroit. But I, I think, you know, to me, you can't keep coming back in the fourth quarter down 17-7, down 27-10, and make a living. Like, it, everything has to get aligned perfectly like it did in Buffalo. I mean, frankly, when you look at their team, Femi, I mean, they could easily be on a three-game losing streak. They, sh- they could have easily lost in Washington, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they should have lost in Buffalo, and they just got there. So this is the best thing that happens. The best thing that happens when you get your ass kicked like this, you got to play early in the week. So they get cousins. So so now you got New England coming in on Thanksgiving night. You let, you know, kind of the bad taste gets out. It's one game. You move forward. Now you know what you got to do to try to win this thing. On the Dallas side of things, it's the largest win by any team this century versus a team 8-1 and one or better. Just a complete and utter domination of the Minnesota Vikings. Michael, let's get to the earlier slate, though. The Philadelphia Eagles improved to 9-1, and one, the league best record there after beating the Indianapolis Colts 17-16. And boy, it was looking dicey there for Philadelphia for much of that game. I thought they were about to drop two straight. Hurts leads them down the field. They end up scoring the touchdown there uh, with just under a minute left to go here. But uh, I thought it was a little concerning what we saw from the Philly offense because last Monday night we saw the defense was getting gashed. And yesterday, I thought their offense, they didn't run the ball as well as they typically do. No, and the, and the speed of the game, you know, look, it, one thing about Indianapolis is they're, they are a good defense. You know, last week I was doing WIP and some smart-ass guy emails Angelo Cataldi and said, you know, I know you like Josh McDaniels, but he just lost to a high school coach. Is he going to lose to a junior high coach this week? Ha, ha, ha. And I'm thinking watching this, like, you idiot. Like, you're going to lose to Indianapolis. You might lose to Indianapolis yourself, right? Like, and, and, mm-hmm. and let's just put it in perspective. Saturday has less to do with the game than I do. Like, seriously, he's just standing there. Like, let's put that in perspective. Like, seriously, you think he walked over to the offensive coordinator and said, hey, let's run this here when we get the ball back with 31 seconds left to go in the game? No, I don't think he did. Do you think he went over to Gus Bradley and said, hey, Gus, let's do this on the last drive of the game to make sure that we don't let, you know, no, I don't think that. So let's put that over there. But look, I mean, Philly needs these games. They, they got tested. Their fourth quarter came through for them, right? They scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Right, they have almost twenty plays in the fourth quarter. They get they get eight first downs, and even though they fumbled on one of those drives, they were able to score two touchdowns. They score fourteen points in the fourth quarter, which ultimately is the difference in the game. The, the, to me, the key play of the game, they were on a fifteen play drive early in the in the second quarter. They got the ball with eleven fifty eight to go in the in the quarter, and they drove it all the way down to seven oh eight. They went fifteen plays, fifty four yards. They got five first downs, and he settled for a field goal at the Indianapolis four. That field goal, you know, typically the Eagles hadn't done that. That field goal was the difference in the game. Because if he doesn't kick there, say he goes for it like they typically do, mm-hmm. it's going to be it's harder for them to win it. Yeah, no, it was. I thought it, I thought they were just so sloppy though. Because Michael, I saw this and it was a, a tweet that was put out there that the Eagles in the first eight games only had three turnovers. Now That's in the it. past two games. They have six. Is this going to be a growing thing that we see, kind of the regression going forward here for this Eagles offense? I mean, look, I think people, once one thing when you run a unique offense, people get, get they study it, they get used to it. I mean, Hertz was their leading rusher yesterday. He carried yeah. it, what, 18 times? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so the six-back attack, people are getting used to it. When you play a team like, like the Colts who are zone dominant and have a lot of fast guys, it, it helps you. It really does. And so I thought that the Colts would run the ball more effectively. I mean, Fletcher Cox still hasn't made a play. He's got one tackle and one assist. Never got near the quarterback at all. 
you know, even though they had four sacks in the game. Sue had a half a sack in the game. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Linville, Joseph, and Sue had a sack in the game, and they just got there. I mean, Fletcher's not playing very good. I mean, to me, there's vulnerability in Philadelphia. There's no doubt. I mean, they're not invincible. I think the line will start adjusting to them a little bit mm -hmm. because I think the games are harder to play in November and December the way they're playing. Yeah, we saw but that yesterday. Give them credit. I mean, they fought back. I mean, look, we know they're on a Gonzaga schedule, but they, they made the plays they needed to make to win the game. Yeah, <laughs> now they'll play the Green Bay Packers this uh, upcoming Sunday. Uh, Michael, let's take our first break, and we'll get to more of Sunday's slate on the other side. It's the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, let's pick it up with this AFC West clash that we saw in the Rocky Mountains yesterday afternoon. The Raiders defeat the Denver Broncos 22-16 to in overtime. Boy, the silver and black were really in need of a positive afternoon. Yeah. They got it there. Derek Carr connecting with Devontae Adams. Adams had seven catches for 141 and two touchdowns. He continues to put up numbers, whether they're winning or losing, as the Raiders now improve to three and seven. And the Broncos, just another sad afternoon for them as they lose a close game. Well, I mean, look, the Broncos have nobody to blame but themselves here. I mean, they're up 16 to 13. You know, they get the ball back. The Raiders don't have timeouts left. Two-minute warning comes into play. And for whatever reason, you know, it's third and eight. They call a pass. Now, I'm listening to the game because Millie's watching it and she's watching her baby play. So, you know, the sound's on. So I hear I hear the announcers say, you know, you got to put the ball in Russ's hands. You got to put the ball in Russ's hands here. Like, does somebody know Russ sucks? Like, will somebody, like, say Russ isn't any good? Like, he can't make a play with his feet? Like, the, the Raiders probably want the ball in Russ's hands. Like, he's not going to make a play. Like, wh why wouldn't you do exactly – why would you give them an extra timeout? Like, why would you give them an extra timeout? Run the ball – Take the clock all the way down, call timeout with one second, punt the ball back, and say, okay, Raiders, go ahead. You know, but no, you go and you, you, you run it. He throws it incomplete. Now, Hackett says after the game, he says, well, we wanted a completed pass there. I, I wanted that too, but you didn't get one. <laughs> that the way to get a completed pass is either throw a quick screen or throw off or run the ball. Like you're guaranteed yep. to get a complete. The worst thing you want to have happen is an incomplete pass. Because now they get the ball back with plenty of time. And they're frankly lucky that the Raiders were got the ball first to go with the seven. Okay, so they make the wheel route to Jacobs. Get the biggest play of the game for the Raiders, 43 yards. They get a wheel route to, the, to Jacobs, right? And he gets it down to the seven. The Raiders have no timeouts. They're running down there. They're going to spike the ball. They got to spike the ball, right? And what does Hackett do? He calls timeout. Yeah. So the Raiders played the second half with five timeouts. <laughs> they played the second half with five timeouts. And then, you know, and then, you know, the, the Raiders were careful in the red zone. I think they were concerned that Carr was going to, you know, they didn't want him to take a sack. They, you mm -hmm. know, because you're sitting there at the seven with no timeouts. You want to make sure at least you get the game to overtime. And they, they, they run three plays. He gets rid of the ball. They kick it. And then in the overtime, I, I think this is the difference in the game, right? So the overtime, they, the first play, they run a run. Second play, they, they run the, the play action. They get Moreau on it down the field. The 33-yard play, best one, one of their best plays of the game. And then the, the next play, they get Devontae Adams, who had been running the over route pretty much all game. Yeah. 
So when you you know that over route, when you start to run that over route, if this if like Sertan jumped it, when you see Sertan jumped it, all Devontae Adams did is just turn it the other way. And that's why he's so wide open. Because they played the play, but when you're running that route, you have the option at the top of the stem to take it the other way. And so Carr makes the play. So, you know, the Raiders needed that win. They've been in a lot of close games, but they also were fortunate in this one because of Hackett not call, not running the ball. Just run the ball. Like, what's wrong with playing the game the right way? Well, the interesting thing leading up into this game was that Hackett gave up the play-calling duties to Clint Kubiak, which I think further shows what a massive mistake it was that they did not manage the end of the game properly. Because if you're not calling the plays, what else are you doing there? And then you're giving these guys free timeouts. They also brought in the consultant to help out Hackett early in the season. Like, like, what's, What's going on there in Denver? Well, they're trying to do everything to salvage the season for them, and now it's over. Now Seattle's going to get a top-10 pick. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, to me, what people don't understand is if you're not going to call the game, I, I agree, but you are involved in the game. So when the timeout comes over, you know, you know look, I want to run it here. Are we gonna, you're managing the game as a head coach, not as an offensive play caller because the difference between calling the game and being the head coach is offensive coordinators want to get first downs and points. That's their job. Head coaches want to win the game. Now you say, well, the coordinator wants to win. No, 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 no. Coordinators want to win, but they want to get yards and first downs, right? Mm-hmm. They want to get points. And so you go over at the halftime say, look, here's what I want to do. I want to run the ball here. You know, we'll take the clock all the way down. We'll call timeout. We'll punt the ball here. We'll punt the ball out of bounds so they can't return it. And we'll win with our defense. The defense is the strength of our team. Let's win the game. Like, Staley was going for it until last night because he knows his defense sucks. So he goes for it on fourth down all the time because he knows his defense can't stop anybody. you got a really good defense. You're watching the game. The Raiders, I mean, Carr had 14 incompletions in the game, 12 of them in the second half. Okay? So you know you're playing good defense. They couldn't convert a third down. They're three for 11 on third down. The only thing that saved the Raiders in the game is they got in the second half, they limited their penalties. They had ridiculous amounts of penalties. So play to your strength. This is what's going on. It's like you're watching the game. It's a windy game. Okay, so we're not going to kick the field goal here. We're going to do this. It, it, that's, what you're, that's what a head coach does. It isn't that you just let the coordinator call plays. You're there. I mean, it was, they gave him five timeouts, Femi, and it was never mentioned in the broadcast. It was never – actually, they thought it was a good call. They thought, got to let Russ cook. Like, at some point, can we just say Russ isn't good? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, is that going to offend everybody? I went and saw Sebastian Maniscalco the other day, and he was talking about, you know, he's talking about some kid in kindergarten showing up to school as, as a lion. That it, You know, like, he was offended by it. But you have to be nice because he's a lion and he's wearing a mask. Okay, I get all that. And we were laughing our asses off. Like, but what's wrong with saying something's wrong? What's wrong with that? Like, Russ isn't Russ. And even though they change play, play callers, they start the game off with 10 points like they typically do. They always, their first drive of the game, Two of these coaches in this league, Stefanski and Nathaniel Hackett, they can game plan when they're in their offices on Tuesday night. When, when you have to adjust during the game, they don't. Think about it. The Browns always do good on the first drive of the game. They mm-hmm. can't do shit after that, but they always do that, right? Same thing with the Broncos. They score 10 points on the first two drives of the game. They get six the rest of the game. Against the Raider defense. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was the stoppable first, uh, force versus the movable object. The Raiders offense, Raiders defense. I mean, say what you want about the Raiders. And again, I know my son's the offense coordinator there. I'm not defend, but they scored 22 points against the this. The the Raiders have scored more points against Denver than any team. That's true. Now that they haven't played the Chiefs yet, so I'm sure the Chiefs will score more. But the point is, is that the Raiders moved the ball on them. They had. Did you see they had Cole wide open on a on a slant, uh, wide open on a post? They overthrew him by five yards. Big win for the Raiders, though, 22-16. to 16. They'll now come yeah. up to the Pacific Northwest. I, I thought it was important. You know, I think to me, when everybody's trying to get a coach fired, watch the team play. Watch the team play. If the team's into it and listening to the coach, like the Raiders have been really good. They haven't turned the ball over. They've been – I mean, they're, you could see they're trying to buy into the program. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying they're good enough because they certainly aren't. And I'm not saying they're, that, that, that there's not problems. There certainly is. But to me, you can't say the team is – I mean, when you're in that many close games, it's not because the players hate the coach. 
no, they're not quitting on him, which I think is the only reason why you get rid of a guy in year one there. So uh, I thought they played really hard, and I'm glad they actually won the game because I had them with the points. So congratulations to go. the silver and black. That's a ballsy play right there, Fem. Yeah. That was a ballsy it's two, play. It's two bad teams, and I was like, hey, I'm going to take the points in what should be a pretty close game. So I figured that was the, the move. Um, let's go to the Meadowlands here. Lions, Michael, they went ahead and beat the Giants 31-18. to Not many people saw this one coming no, here. as I thought it was felt like it was almost like role reversal. Because the Giants yeah, were doing all the things to make mistakes and beat themselves, whereas Detroit was just playing the game. They didn't do anything spectacular, and then they went ahead and won by double digits. And they ran the ball effectively, right? So I said this on the show. What you, when you play Detroit, what you want to do is make Goff be in shotgun. Mm-hmm. You want Goff to be a shotgun quarterback because now he's got to throw it. He's got to read it. You know, when he can stay under center and you can run the ball like they did 37 times for buck 60, that makes him a better player. Because, look, this guy did get his team to the Super Bowl as much as we want to make fun of him, or I do. But when you make him, a, when you make him a, a, a shotgun quarterback, then shit starts to fall apart and he turns the ball over. But they, did a, they beat the Giants at their own game, four for five in the red zone, ran for 4.3 yards a carry, you know, only had, only had nine incomplete passes. Longest play of the game for the Lions was 32 yards. No big deal. They just kept yeah. matriculating the ball. And then they forced Daniel Jones to throw it 44 times. And when that happens – Something bad's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Jones was a uh, he was a little erratic, kind of reverting back to what we saw um, in years past before Dayball got there. What do you make of this Detroit team, though? They've now won three straight for the first time in five years. Is this an encouraging sign for Dan Campbell and this program moving forward here? I mean, what's remarkable is is they were able to play defense yesterday. I mean, they actually yeah. have got sit and look. It's ten to six. The Lions are, you know, they got the ball in the one-inch line against the Cowboys, and we know they turned it over in that game and lost. And that game was a lot closer than the score. So mm-hmm. give them credit. They are playing better defense. Like, I didn't think they could – I thought it was the perfect game for for the Giants because the, the Giants could throw their control passes and they could run the ball, but they played run defense really good. So be an interesting test on Thanksgiving Day. The speed of the Lions' defense isn't very good. It's not. But, you know, they've been able to get off the field. They get an interception – in the second quarter, they I mean, the second quarter, they kind of took control of the game here, right? The the, yeah. the, the Giants have a, a drive. They got a punt. Then they throw an interception. Then they punt again. Aiden Hutchinson got an interception. He has two interceptions on the season here, five and a half sacks. The number two overall pick starting to uh, figure things out here in the NFL, and he's one of the reasons why this defense has been turning things around here in the middle portion of the season here. Um, Michael, let's get to my guy here Uh and, and I know you got something to say. I, I see you perking up. I know you got something to say. No, he's hurt. I, <laughs> I feel see, bad see, for him. See, see you got something to say. Chicago, they go ahead and lose to the Atlanta Falcons 27-24. Young Way Koo making the go-ahead field goal there with about a minute and a half left. Uh, my man Justin Fields gets banged up with the left shoulder here in this game. But uh, what did you make of what we saw yesterday between the Falcons and the Bears? Well, I mean, look, this is the second week in a row in the fourth quarter, you know, where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they can't make a play. I mean, he throws an interception in the fourth quarter. At some point, you know, the, this one back, the six back offense is good, but you got to make plays a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and he throwing the ball to Montgomery, he gets picked off against a bad Falcon defense. And both teams, I thought Patterson, to me, I, I, I mean, everybody wants Devin Hester to get in the Hall of Fame. This Patterson kid is incredible. Yeah. I mean, th- this guy is unbelievable. I mean, it is so unbelievable to, to take that kickoff back and do what he does. It's just, to me, he's remarkable. And Arthur Smith has done a great job with this team. Give him credit. You know, give him credit. I mean, they found a way to win a close game. I mean, they lose to Chicago. They lose to San Diego and uh, the Los Angeles Chargers on a close game. You know, they get they get whooped by Carolina in Carolina. But, I mean, they they play it pretty close. So, I mean... At the end of the day, I mean, Fields has got to make plays passing in the fourth quarter because you can't run it. You can't mm-hmm. be the running back. And and he and he's last two weeks he hasn't. I hope he's not hurt. But this is the problem when you have a six back offense. The quarterback's going to get hurt. Yeah, sh- shout out to Cordell Patterson who now has the most kick return TDs in NFL history with nine. And that kick return it brought Atlanta back into that game because they were down seventeen to seven at that point, and things were looking a little kind of sketchy for them at that point of the game but on the fields point there with the left shoulder injury it sounds like he might miss some time I think the betting market for this upcoming week is telling you that he might miss a little bit of time do you think that this workload for him in this six back offense is sustainable given the amount of hits that he takes no it's not I mean it's not I mean it's going to be really hard 
You know, and I mean, the Jets are a six-point favorite against them right now, so it tells you he's not playing. Yep. You know, so, uh, yeah, I don't think it's sustainable. It's too hard. you got to take too many hits. I mean, he, had, he carried the ball 18 times. He got sacked four times in the game. You know, you got to avoid the contact. You got to be a little slippery. You got to be able to say it and, you know, move around it. And it's hard. You know, when you're the leading ball carrier, you know, and averaging four, seven a carry, it's one thing to be the leading ball carrier and have a seven point yard day carrying the football. But it's another thing when you're at four. That means there's a lot of, as long as run was 17 yards, there's a lot of contact going on in that. You're going to get hurt. And he's a big kid. He's got to get his body more physical. There's no doubt. But this is the second year in a row. Last year he got hurt too. Remember, Femi? Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be playing this week. Now, they're saying that he's going to undergo some further testing on Wednesday, and we'll know more. But just based on the shoulder injury, he he was in a lot of pain. Grabbing yeah, he said that he was shoulder. in a lot of pain. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was really hurting. Yeah. I mean, he was in a lot of pain last week. He said that his legs were sore in the game against the Detroit Lions. So he's getting that running back workload in addition to what he's doing at quarterback. It's... It's a lot, but I still have faith in my guy. Get him healthy. He's starting to show yeah. those signs to he's continue to improve. Back. I mean, he's a running back. Yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll have the discussion after the season, the, the full one, the full evaluation. There's no Michael. discussion to have. He's a running back. I you, you, table you say for whatever two. you want. Table. They make him the MVP. Why don't you join that ESPN campaign and make him the MVP? ES, uh, I'm not the saying he's the, the MVP. I'm just saying that I mean, he's, I think, he's showing some I think good you signs. And that, I think you and that guy from ESPN ought to nah. form, get forces together <laughs> And have this campaign and make it and make them the because I mean basically sponsor the campaign by Pearl Vision Center because oh, you're both no. blind if you think he's the MVP. <laughs> I never said he sponsored was sponsored by Pearl Vision Center. Femi <laughs> and never... <laughs> the worldwide leader think Justin Fields is the MVP. I never said he was the MVP. I'm just saying we'll have the discussion in the full evaluation right, at but the you, end of the season. I think you should join forces. I know you never no, said it. I think no, you should I'm, join I'm forces. I'm not joining those forces. No. Yeah. No. Because that, that's a brilliant forces. force to join. <laughs> no. I mean, that's a brilliant force to join. <laughs> I'm just saying that table for two, it might be a table for three by the end of the season here, Michael. You're going to be included in this as we talk Justin Fields at the end of the year. But the Bears fall to three and eight. Falcons, though, more importantly, back into this NFC wildcard race Amazing. at five and, and six. And they stink. They- and they're terrible. <laughs> yes. They're awful. But you know what? They're five and six. Let's take a quick break here, Michael. We'll get to the rest of Sunday's slate on the other side. It's the GM Shuffle. All right, Michael, let's get to the rest of Sunday's slate. And, boy, the primetime game, Sunday Night Football, it lived up from an entertainment standpoint. The Chiefs come from behind to beat the Los Angeles Chargers 30-27. to And, quite frankly, it looked like a lot like all these Chiefs-Chargers games that we've seen since Justin Herbert is there. Chargers get the early lead. Then Pat Mahomes comes back like the Grim Reaper and takes the victory from them. Here is uh, Kansas City improves to 8-2 and two and has a stranglehold on that AFC West. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, the Chargers, I mean, they lost Mike Williams again, which hurt. Yeah. Keenan Allen made incredible play on that deep ball. But to me, where the Chargers lost this game, you know, they gave up 17 points in the second half. Okay, they only gave up 13 in the first half. But the Char- when you play the Chiefs, you gotta, you got to score more than seven points in the second half. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, you can't, you, can't, you can't not score. You know, I know they turned the ball over with Keenan Allen, which killed them. But there's got to be you got to be able to every time you get a possession in the second half you got to come away with some kind of points against them you've got to move the ball you know and so the Chargers go punt punt fumble touchdown interception so you know they they end up empty handed in the second half really you know and so that you're never gonna one thing about the Chiefs you're never gonna build enough of a lead to to keep the game away but the problem is in the second half when you only have the ball you know. The, the Chargers dominated time possession at 32 minutes, but with mm-hmm. the with the Chiefs, it doesn't matter. Like it's it's like when Peyton Manning, you know, people say, well, Belichick shouldn't have gone for it on fourth and one. Well, field position with Manning doesn't matter. Time of possession doesn't matter with the Chiefs. They can score as quickly as anybody, regardless, because they got the best player. So you got to be able, you got to score. You can't you can't go a three and out punt. You can't go an eight play, 43 yard, three foot and fumble. You got to get points, and I'm not saying you got to get touchdowns, but you got to you got to get. When you go in at halftime, you got to be able to say to yourself, "Okay, we're in at halftime, we're winning this game." You know, we're up, we're up. Uh, what was it at halftime, Femi? I think it was like what, it was, twenty to twenty yeah, to thirteen. Yeah, twenty to thirteen. Yep. So to me, <clears throat> had it, I like when I'm watching the game last night. I'm saying thirty-five wins the game. We got to get the thir- we got to get the thirty-four. Thirty-four wins the game. We got to figure out a way. We got to have five possessions in the second half. We got to get 
at least 34, 35 wins the game. And that's the mindset. Because if you think you're going to shut them down in the second half, you're crazy. They got too many plays on that sheet. They can make plays out of nothing. You know, and this Charger defense, at some point, will somebody say, like, they're coached by a defensive guru, right? Like, when do they stop somebody? They're supposed to be coached by a defensive guru. I mean, the Chiefs don't even run run the ball, and they average six yards a carry. Pacheco averaged six, seven point one yards a carry. They don't even want to run it. Mahomes, Michael, is now fourteen and zero in road games versus the AFC West in his career. That's the second longest win streak by a starting quarterback in road division games since the nineteen seventy merger, trailing only Joe Montana's twenty game road divisional win streak from nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety three. You know what's amazing? I'm sitting there watching the game. Is how fucking good Vrabel is because there's Vrabel playing without five guys on defense on the road mm-hmm. in in Kansas City, and, and and he's playing better defense than the greatest head coach in the history of football. Who's a defensive coach, right? You know, I mean, poor Herbert. He throws three inter- he throws seven incomplete passes. You know, they got fifty three rushes and completions. I mean, he got the crap beat out of him again. But you know, at the end of the day, that just to me, they had the. Well, you can't have empty possessions in the second half because no matter how good you are on defense, it's hard to slow them down. Michael, I. I saw last night just kind of gauging social media as I was about to go to sleep, and it was obviously everybody crowning Kansas City as, oh, they're the best team in football, best team in the AFC. Playoffs are going to be the Arrowhead Invitational and all that. And I'm sorry, I'm just not impressed, Like to be quite honest. I, I, I get when Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and it's probably not even close, but the collective as a team, I mean, let, let's not forget that they just beat the Chargers in a November game, in the, which they didn't even cover the spread, mind you. So yeah, well, I, I, don't, I don't know why everybody's freaking game, out about Those games Kansas are always going to be tight. I mean, like those games are always three points, but you can't really say that, Femi, because they do enough to win the game. It's a road – now, I know it was a home game. It sounded like a home game <laughs> to me. Like I mean, game. the Chargers are in the silent count. I mean, can you imagine that? They're in the silent count at their own stadium. It's embarrassing. I, I mean, I think – I mean, who's going to – right now they're playing better than the Bills. If In the playoffs, I'll take Buffalo over Kansas City. It, it, we'll get, I mean, it depends on where the game is too, right? I mean that Kansas City's got to that Kansas City's got to lose one more game. Buffalo can't lose one. Yeah, it's just I, I think Miami could give Kansas City problems. I think Cincinnati no. could give Kansas City problems. I, I but my, I'm not, Miami, I'm not all the way there. Miami's not going to give Kansas City's going to score the ball on Miami. You think you think that Chiefs defense can stop Miami with Tyreek running yeah, all th- the way down I, the field? I, I think that well, they have to play zone against them. I think you can't play man to man. See the Chief, One thing about the Chiefs when they play the Chargers. Mike Williams gives him problems. Keenan mm-hmm. Allen gives him. I mean, Josh Palmer gave him problems last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not. I, I get it. And like Mahomes is going to win you MVP. Really think, and now all wait a second. Timeout here. TV yeah. timeout. Yeah, here. let's take. Let's you take really the think fucking Tua's going to go into Kansas City at minus twenty fucking degrees? Wind coming off the thing. You know, I mean, and and he's going to be able to throw those fucking ducks up in the air. I know he's the MVP in the league. I understand that. <laughs> but you think be. he's going to be able? To throw the ball in Kansas City in at this jet, I'll be all over Kansas City in that one. I'll, I'd say tra- I'll tread carefully. Down. I would say tread carefully, Michael, because oh that, Chiefs, my God. that defense is Baby. a liability. Michael, the defense can't get. Did I mean, you see the defense is Baby, a liability? Did you see that? Think about how he throws the ball in the wind. I want you to do a homework assignment. Go back mm-hmm. and watch him last year when he went to Tennessee and it started raining. No, Go watch I, yeah, that tape. No, I, I've seen the tape. I bet Tennessee that game last year. Because I mean the but the Titans have a legitimate defense. Kansas City does not have a legitimate defense. Chris Jones, hell of a player. He's an All Pro and all that. But outside of Chris Jones, nobody well, on that team. I think Clark's a good player. I think Clark's a good player. I think Clark's overrated. I mean, I think he'll get. I think he'll rush against the Miami shitty offensive line, <laughs> especially on the road. I mean, you, you're talking about a guy going into Kansas City, going into Buffalo. Let's see how Tua does in Buffalo and plays in that wind. With the snow and the swirl, and if mm-hmm. assuming they could ever clear the snow off the field yeah. in Buffalo, that might take another two weeks. But I mean, let's see how that we get works. Stephen out. Bond out there clearing snow, uh, but no, against Buffalo, I agree with you because I think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC still, despite the two-game losing streak that they had. But against Kansas City, I, I think Miami's going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. Probably the last team that has the ball wins, but I don't think Kansas City's defense is prepared for what Miami's bringing. If they end up meeting in the playoffs, that defense is not prepared. It's and, and maybe Mahomes scores fifty. Maybe that's what happens. But that's what's required for them. Yeah, to win. I would not. I would not put. I mean, Miami's going to play man to man against them. And now that they got Skylar Moore going, they got Kadarius Tony going. You know, I mean, they'll Tony's get, hurt. I mean, he's hurt. 
How bad he get hurt? I mean, he has a hamstring injury, but he always has a hamstring. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, how do you have a hamstring injury in week fucking 12? I mean, seriously. <laughs> that's, that's, you know why you have a hamstring? Dumb. You know what I always believe? You drink dark liquor, you're going to have a hamstring injury. <laughs> I might drink some dark liquor on Thanksgiving, so I might watch there you go. Out. Me too. But I'm not worried about my hammy. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, they don't need us to run. I mean, uh, they should do that commercial. Routes. What's that? I saw that commercial, Aaron Andrews on Crown Royal. Yeah. They should basically, guy, you know, they should have like a player doing it. Like, they should have, like, hey, I drink Crown Royal. That's why I have a bad hamstring. Like, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> Michael, let's go to Buffalo, uh, where the Bills beat the Browns 31 23 in Detroit, mind you. Uh, that game being played indoors. Buffalo bounced back, ending that two game losing streak that they were on. Now, seven and three here. Uh, but I know you want to talk about Cleveland and what that team has been doing offensively. I mean, I mean, like seriously, at what point does somebody say, like, we start the game off with a drive, we go for it on fourth down, like they ran, but the Cleveland media destroyed Belichick in that town. They destroyed him. I mean, the the great, brilliant writers of that town just said he was the worst. Co- I go back and read some of those things that all these guys now they change their tune on, right? And they watching Stefanski, and nobody says a word about it. Like, I like Kevin. I think Kevin's mm-hmm. a good offensive coach. But he's a game plan coach. Like, there's no adjustment in the game at all, right? Like, they, they, they start the game off with a nice drive. I mean, you know, they get 10 points in the first day. The first drive of the game, they go right down the field. Then they can't do shit after that. And then I, I kept saying this on the pod. You kept, I mean, we all, like, why not go after Jimmy Garoppolo when you could have got him? Like, I like Jacoby Brissett, but Jacoby Brissett's not going to be able to keep you in the playoffs. Yeah. You know? I mean, they go, they go, they start the game off with a nice nine-play drive to get a touchdown. They come back three and out. You know, then they go another nice play field goal, then they fumble, then they punt, and then they start the second half off, and, you know, and they're not out of the game, and he, and he decides at the 27-yard line, indoors, indoors, mind you, you know, to go for it on fourth and inches and he gets stuffed. I mean, Jordan Phillips just knocked the whole goddamn line back. Then he misses a field goal. Now the game's over. And I mean, I mean, they, I, I don't know what the number was. Did you have eight, eight and a half? I don't know what it was, but I mean, it, my it, man, it only, only my half, man, yeah. Mad Dog Russo. You know, every week on Mad Dog Russo, we have picks. Mm-hmm. Somehow he had the line at seven and a half. I have no, I, I don't know it, where there were seven and a halfs out there. So, were there? So yeah, it closed seven and a half. So there was oh, it it, yeah, once if once it was factored that there was no home field advantage, it ended up closing seven and a half here. But for the folks who had eight and a half or they laid nine or whatever the line was beforehand, if he didn't get it voided by it the was a backdoor player, cover. I it mean, it was a backdoor special. It was <laughs> it was a backdoor special there by the Cleveland. Also, I know you saw my. Our, our and why guy, didn't they go for two on the backdoor? Like why did they kick the extra point? Like I didn't understand that. Yeah, I, I I know you saw our guy Amari Cooper there indoors, Michael. Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Who was happier than Amari? He was, I mean, nobody was happy. He, he had 12 thrilled. targets, eight catches. I mean, Amari was happy. He had, you know, had two touchdowns. He averaged 14 yards a catch. I mean, nice and warm. <laughs> didn't need hot chocolate. I mean, if that bitch was played outside, Amari wouldn't have been playing. I could tell you that. You cannot stop that guy at an indoor facility. He is one of the best route runners. But if you put that thing on grass, boy, I tell you. Outdoors? Not- Nice cold day. Who's Cleveland? I gotta go see who's Cleveland got this week. I mean, let's oh see who they got. I, mean, let- I, I think they're uh, they're on the road. I believe this week, upcoming week, because I know they have Houston uh, when Watson comes back. Oh, they're at home against Tampa. They're they're, they're at home oh, against got, Tampa. So they got. Let's see what that line is. Take a guess what that line is for a second. I think. Well, I saw it already. I saw it earlier, so my guess will be informed. But I saw Tampa laying three. That's it. Yeah, Tampa, Tampa wow. favored by three in Cleveland. So. Off a buy? Off the buy. Seems a little light to me, fam. (laughs) Maybe a little early hint there at Michael's pick for this upcoming weekend. But uh, on the Buffalo note, though, Michael, uh, what did you make of their team there? Look, defensively early on in the game, like you mentioned, it looked a little shaky, but they really got things corrected there, making a number of plays. Josh Allen, that offense, went ahead and put 31 as well. And uh, a game that they needed to have. They stopped Chubb. And, of course, naturally, the Browns had to go 44 passes you know, they went 44 passes with, with Brissett, which is not what you want to do, right? I mean, you know, Brissett had 41 passing attempts. Chubb had 14 rushes for 19 yards. I mean, their offense is neuterized, you know. But I thought impressive for Buffalo. Buffalo's longest play of the game was 28 yards in, mm-hmm. the, in the passing game. I mean, I didn't think Allen played great. I thought he played within himself. They played well in the fourth quarter, and they ran the ball. They had 31 rushes, and Allen only had three carries. They averaged 5-2 a carry in a game where Allen didn't run the ball. I mean, that to me was really impressive by Buffalo. Yeah. No, I, th- I thought it was really impressive from Buffalo, who 
it appears they're going to travel back to Buffalo and they then we'll go back to to Detroit on Wednesday, which I get they probably want to spend some time with the family and stuff before that Thanksgiving game. But I guess from a logistics standpoint, I would have tried to stay. But hey, I'm not the one that's running the Buffalo Bills, am I? Uh, Michael, let's keep it moving there. The AFC North, the Bengals beat the Steelers 37 to 30. I don't think many people expected points in this game, and that's what we got. Joe Burrow, 24 of 39, 355, four touchdowns, two interceptions. But I thought Pickett held his own as well here, uh, Michael, in, in, in the, the first game half. He did. I, I mean, I, I was all over the Bengals. I did you understand how this line was going from six down to three and a half? I think it closed to three and a half. Yeah, close three and a half. Yep. I was all over that. I mean, I had it as a six point game to start the week. You know, there was a ton of steam on Pittsburgh. I never saw the steam. I mean, what I think about Cincinnati is this. They moved the ball. Pittsburgh moved the ball in the first half, but look at the third quarter numbers. I mean, Lou Amaromo, I mean, what he's able to do in the second half, he, he's a really good adjustment coach. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the third quarter, really the third and fourth quarter, basically they had no no offense whatsoever. I mean, no, they got, they got a field goal off of an interception. That's the only reason they got it. They went four plays, six yards, they kicked the field goal. But they had a bunch of three and outs. You know, they punted the ball five times in the second half. They lost it on downs once. I mean, they dominated the second half. And and it's a 14-point game that looks like a seven-point. They they dominated the second half. And and this is with Burrow throwing two interceptions mm-hmm. without Chase there. I thought that was – I know Mike Tomlin's great as a dog, but this is not a typical Mike Tomlin team. They're mm-hmm. not there yet. Yeah, T.J. Watt made that fantastic – God, he is so damn good, T.J. Watt. But they made the interception there on Burrow, which was kind of a freak play there, but – this Bengals team, nobody's really talking about them. They're just kind of lurking. And when Chase comes back, I think this offense is really going to start to hit its stride for the stretch run, which makes them really they got dangerous. A tough schedule though. Well, they, they got to go to Tennessee this week. Yeah, that's you know be, they got to go back war. to the scene of they got to go back to the scene of it. You know, and Tennessee's mm-hmm. going to have a little bit rested. They should be healthier. You know, I'm shocked that they're all they're a one point favorite against Tennessee. Can you imagine that? Close game. <laughs> which, which, in a close game, which coach do you want, Mike Vrabel or Zach Taylor? Oh, what do you think? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, God damn, that's not even close. I mean, I was just I was talking to my man Bill Bourbon yesterday. I was like, but because uh, I gave out the Bengals as one of my plays, I'm like, Sack's gonna fuck me up in this. This guy's gonna screw something up here. You know, they won't get the onside kick. He won't be ready. You know, and they lose Joe Mixon in the game. Yeah, but yeah. I had a feeling there was no way Burrow was losing that game. You know, bet on Burrow. Burrow was tough. He's a hell of a quarterback, Michael. Let's get to some quick hitters here. Saints beat the Rams 27-20. Matthew Stafford leaving the game once again with an injury. What was he doing in the game? I don't know. Like, seriously, what was he doing in the game? Like, like I said, I mean, the guy, the poor guy's going to be, he's hey, taking too many hits. That offensive line is horrible. How about this? The Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champs, they have to go to Kansas City next week. They're two touchdown dogs. It's that tells you how bad the Rams are. I don't know how – look, I don't know how I, – I I think the Saints, good good win for them, but the Rams are really bad. The Rams are going to have – like, who has their pick now? Who has their first pick this year? Detroit. It's going to be a top five top five pick, right? You would think. It's it's one of the saddest title defenses I think we've ever seen in the NFL. With the I mean, Rams I think, it, you know, to me, it's credit them for winning. There's no doubt. They deserved it. I mean, we all know it was – that everything went perfectly for them. you got to give them the credit. Wear their rings proudly. There's no sustainable success out there. They're going to have to start liquidating. You know, Crazy Eddie, there was a guy in Long Island named Crazy Eddie. I used to be in college, and he had a commercial on. Crazy Eddie's just giving shit away. You know, mm-hmm. it's like he was in the electronics business, and it had these crazy commercials. They did a spoof on it on Seinfeld, you know, with the, the, the Wiz. Remember the Wiz? Mm-hmm. The episode, the, and so this is the same thing. And so Crazy Eddie was, like, that's going to be the Rams. They're going to be like Crazy Eddie. They're going to just give shit away. They're going to have to. they got to rebuild the team. There's, I, I can't imagine Matthew Stafford's wife's going to let him keep playing. No. I, I can't imagine that either. They said he's not quite in the concussion protocol, but they're going to do some further evaluation. I, I mean, I'd come on. Either you yeah. are or you're not. It's like being, yeah. I'm not quite pregnant. I mean, either you are or you're not. Like, at some point, take the gloves off, get the mouthpiece out, and say, okay, enough. We'll play, we'll play Bryce Perk. I mean, Wolford got hurt. Wolford was hurt, too. He didn't, he didn't play. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a bad situation there. But, Michael, a good situation we have in Washington. The Commanders beat the Houston Texans 23-10. to Washington now 6-5 and and right in the thick of this NFC playoff race. Look, give them credit. I didn't think – I thought they could stub their toe. Heineke's done a great job for them. Their, their defense is playing much better. And Houston's – I mean, Davis Mills turns the ball over. Houston's offense – let me say this to you. Houston's offense is a high school offense. I'm not saying that Mills is really good, but it's a high school offense. It's bad. And it's bad, and it gets worse. 
I mean, this Houston franchise, I don't know what they're going to do. They fired David Culley last year. Lovey Smith, they're going to have the first pick in the draft. And Cleveland's going to give him another top pick, too, because Cleveland's, what, 3-7, and seven too? It's, uh, it's not great, but they'll have the resources to at least rebuild the Houston Texans. Rebuild with what? You got no quarterback. I mean, you, you know, Davis Mills, you got no quarterback. Where are you rebuilding? You're going to draft Bryce Young? You draft somebody. If you, think, if you think Justin Fields gets hurt and Tua gets hurt, what do you think Bryce, is going to happen to Bryce Young at 183 pounds, soaking wet? Be an interesting draft process coming up in 2023. Final game, Michael. Ravens beat the Panthers 13-3 to in what was an ugly three hours of this game here. But uh, well, I Baker watched Mayfield all three hours of it. Man, man, with, God, with, God, with, God bless with, you, man. With the mother of one of the coaches, I watched yeah. all three hours of it. You know, it was pain. It was hard. I mean, look, the Panthers can't get anything going offensively. You know, the Baker, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I was right on Baker. He can't see. Like, he cannot see. And so when he gets back there and when you rush him a certain way, he can't see. Like, it, he wants to throw it. He just doesn't see it to throw it. They have no offense. They should just play Darnold. Like, look, play Darnold. See what Darnold gives them because I think they'll go back to P.J. Walker if they can, but he's not healthy. Darnold's on the active roster. Just play him. I mean, I mean, look, it's bad. I mean, Baker can't make a play. Yeah, it's. Uh, we'll see Darnold, I'm sure, sooner rather than later. But, Michael, let's take our final break on the episode, and we'll get to the awards and also a Monday Night Football preview here on the GM Shuffle. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, let's hand out some hardware. Who's going on the lamb this week? Well, I mean, there's, you know, look, I, I think Zach Wilson has got obviously certainly qualifies. If anybody qualifies for lambing, it's Zach Wilson. I mean, you know, he needs to be in Appalachia and just kind of <laughs> hide up there. Like, yeah. get, get out of town. I mean, that was bad. I mean, Salai should go on the lamp for the, punting the ball down the middle of the field after he watched Belichick give a timeout. I know nobody thinks that's a big deal. I do. It decided the game, that punt return for the TD by no, Marcus that, It's Jones. no big deal. No, nobody said a word about it. It's no big deal. You know, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it, Femi. We got it. <laughs> Best game plan Pearl of the Visions. week. <laughs> the Pearl Vision Center, sponsored by that. Yeah. Uh, I, I Give it to Dallas. I mean, look, Dallas went in there. I think they used the Cooper Rush game plan against Minnesota. Dak played really well. And their best player is Pollard. I mean, there's no doubt. He's their best player. And they're getting him the ball in all different ways. He's a weapon. He, They're doing with him that I thought they would have, I thought they would have done with Zeke. They never did. Mm-hmm. I thought Zeke would have been a tremendous receiver out of the backfield. Yep. They just never got to that. They never did. They're doing it with Pollard. Congratulations. Yeah, they'd use Zeke from uh, 2016 to 2019 as a pass catcher. I think he would have been a hell of a running back as well. Still a hell of a running back with the career he's had. If you don't know, now you know. Well, the Rams are dead. I mean, that's over. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Rams, let's start. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Like, how you better start rebuilding. Like, this, you're not going to fix this turning around. And I think, to me, you're better off getting Matthew Stafford healthy. Maybe he'll play another year. But if you don't, he won't. So I think that's – we know the Rams are dead. They've been dead on arrival for a while. And we also know Houston will have the first pick in the draft. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. see them winning two more games. I really can't. I can't see them winning two more games. I mean, it's gone from bad to bad to badder. And I, and I think, to me, watching Herbert play last night, to me, if, you're the, if you own the Chargers, you have a generational quarterback that does things that is just remarkable – if you waste him and don't get him a support, he's going to be Dan Marino. He's not going to get to a, a win a Super Bowl, and he's going to go. Remember, Dan Marino went four years with Don Shula, the winningest coach in all time, without making the playoffs. you got to fix that. Yeah, Herbert is yet to make the playoffs so far in his career. Finally, David Ogilvy, who's the fraud? I mean, Cleveland's a fraud. I mean, look, their defense is a fraudulent. They can't yeah. stop the run. Everybody runs it on them. Even teams that want to throw it run it on them, right? And they're three and seven. And I, I don't know where Kevin is. I mean, I feel bad for Kevin because he does things that I, – I mean, I know they're run by analytics, you know, but, like, some of the decisions they make analytically is stupid, and they cost them games. They turn points down. You know, it's funny. Did you notice Staley didn't – was not was not taking – was not being this usual go-for-it on fourth down mm-hmm. self yes, last night? I did notice that. His offensive line sucks. <laughs> I don't blame oh. him for putting the ball there. How about them saying that that the left tackle hasn't given up a sack all year? Has anybody watched that left tackle play? Like he may, it may not be recorded that he's like he's like he's going to get Herbert killed. Like I, that's the thing, and then they say it on TV like, "Oh, he's not giving up a sack all year." And then of course, naturally, they run a TE stunt. And he can't even flatten the line. 
Like, are you kidding me? I had some thoughts on that broadcast, Michael, but we don't have time to get into that here. Finally, though, Monday Night Football, Niners and the Cardinals over at our show sponsor, DraftKings, 49ers, 10-point favorites with a total of 43 and a half. Up to the 10. The line went to 10? Went to 10 here with Colt McCoy starting at quarterback. We oh, I'll take the 10 every Kyler day. I'll take the, I'll take the 10. There's no way I wouldn't take the 10. I mean, they like Colt McCoy. Yeah. Did you, just, did you, have you watched? You the, love Colt McCoy. <laughs> I don't love Colt McCoy. I don't yeah, love do. him. I like him better than the mayor. I like him better than the mayor. And, and can I send him some Johnson's popcorn to get well soon with a card? Because I worry about the mayor's hamstring. I mean, you know, you got all this money. You got to make sure he's up there in that altitude at 8,000. See, this is the other thing about this game, Fem. This game is at out. I mean, this mm-hmm. is up at 10,000 feet, I think. Yes. It's a hard game to play, you know, and if you get tired, 10's a lot of points to me. If you get tired up there in the altitude, you know, I, I think there's a you're prone to a backdoor cover. I think Arizona will play it close. I think San Francisco wins, but 10's a lot of points. I think they're better with the, with Colt than they are with with the mayor. Game being played at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. Should be a pretty fun atmosphere out there with the Niners and the Cardinals. But, Michael, that does it for us here on this Monday episode of the podcast. We're coming uh, back pro- Wednesday, right, yes, Sammy? Yeah, yep, programming Thursday. Note, it will be yeah. Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. So make sure to look out to that. We'll get that taped and ready to go. So all of you guys making your travel plans and all that stuff, you can listen to the podcast as you're getting to your destination for the Thanksgiving holiday. But we will be back on Wednesday. So keep that in mind for all of our Listeners Sponsored and by Pearl Vision Center. Sponsored by Pearl Vision Center. Thanks, Femi. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to all of you guys. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday before Thanksgiving.